Brokerbacks and Boyhawks periodically going on festivals so we can just basically make jokes about that all day podcast. I actually think that many Florida Panther fans, given the opportunity, would hit Paul Maurice over the head with the festival pole. David Dwork, our friend from Local 10 in Miami, uh, do you think people would do that if given the opportunity? Amnesty Freight? Uh, I don't pretend to try to understand why fans will do what they do. Um, so yeah, probably they do just about anything right now. It's, uh, it's frustrating, right? Everybody's coming off that high from last season. And now this year it's been anything but what we saw. So, you know, I, I understand where, where the frustration would come from. I just wouldn't want to condone actual violence. I, I don't think it would be a light tap on the shoulder. I, well, no, I don't think so. There's some very passionate Pan Panther fans out there. I was I was hinting at the fact that your mentions are probably a disaster right now. Uh, no, not, it's all good, man. You take the good with the bad, right? And you know, right now, like I said, it's it's understandable. There's a, there's fans that are upset, and look, it's not like it's exclusive to Panthers fans. Every fan base gets all worked up when things aren't going well. The Panthers didn't have anything going well for what felt like forever. They finally seem to be turning a corner and uh, looking like a team that's going to be a perennial playoff team. And just when you start to feel confident that, okay, I don't have to stress out about just making the playoffs anymore, this season comes along. So yeah, I, I get where the, where the uh, anger and frustration is coming from. I totally do too. I just see, you know, it, it's amazing what a two year uh, reprieve from that can do to people's psyche. And then they just get back into bad habits. Um, it is a festive series of grievances in some ways today. Uh, <laughs> but as much as I'd like to make this all festivist jokes, I mean, you should watch the episode of Seinfeld if you haven't done that already. Maybe it might make you happier than watching the Panthers at this rate. For many fans, I think it probably will. Uh, to get to serious topics now, I have my theories as to why this team is not very good at the moment. Uh, where do you think is the major malfunction? I think it's almost like the perfect perfect storm perfect shit storm that's happened this season when you combine the elements of you know new head coach new assistant coaches new systems that are being implemented when you combine losing some of your very best players whether it's the injury or the illness uh, the panthers have had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup as they've been trying to learn and implement the system um it's just you know unfortunate that it's happened the way it is it's not like something that we haven't seen before uh, it's kind of making me think of um, the early 90s New York Rangers as a team that, you know, when they got Messier, they started looking like they were becoming this team that's going to finally win a Stanley Cup. They go out and they win the President's Trophy. Uh, I think it was like 91, 92. The following year, they're riddled with injuries. Uh, they take a big step backwards. They don't even make the playoffs. And then it was the year after that that they go and they win the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying that the Panthers are on the same trajectory or anything like that. It just kind of reminds me of a similar story where you have this amazing team full of talent. Uh, everybody believes they're going to be a cup contender and they, you know, for uh, issues somewhat out of their control, if you want to consider injuries and illnesses and things of that nature out of their control, uh, it doesn't happen. So I'm not giving up on the season anywhere close. They haven't, we haven't seen this team at full strength yet. That's not even considering Anthony Duclair, who should be back in the next few weeks, you would think. Um, there's plenty of upside. But obviously, it's now late December. We're about to hit the holiday break, and the Panthers are not in a playoff spot. Uh, if that doesn't get remedied in the weeks following the holiday break, uh, when you get Duclair back, when you get your your hopefully your roster intact once again, uh, th that's where heads may start rolling, at least in the social media realm.
Oh, I think they've already started rolling. And I think people need to prepare for a world in which they don't make it. Like, I think <laughs> I, I, there are some projections that have them better in 50-50. They could be eight points back of a playoff spot if things go wrong tonight. By the time you're listening to this, you may already know whether it's gone wrong or not. And it's eight points back. I mean, it would be seven, but the Lightning would have like three games in hand. And Tampa's not missing the playoffs. So it, it, it's going to get really dicey really fast. Like, this thing can snowball quickly. And the big problem for me is that they've had no consistency in their results all year. They have not had a winning streak longer than two games. This used to be a problem with the Panthers. Years ago, they did not win more than two games in a row, and you can't be a good team unless you win games consistently. Last year, obviously, they had huge winning streaks at times, and that solved their problem. But this team, this year, they haven't lost more than three in a row, but they haven't won more than two in a row. And how can you build any sort of consistency and go on a run in the standings when you can't win more than two games in a row and you're watching the Rangers do what they do. The Capitals are on a roll right now. All these teams can do this, and the Panthers have not figured out how to even remotely build on success. And I want to ask you why you think that they just cannot find a way, even when it looks like they've turned a corner and have good results, to chain them together. Honestly, not, not, to, not to cop out or anything, but I think it's the same answer I just gave you. It's, it's this collection of you know, misfortunes that has struck this team and it hasn't allowed them to get any line consistency. The pairings have been messed up on the D side. Nobody's able to really get any continuity with playing together. I mean, you've seen Maurice try what he can with guys that were in the lineup. You saw it with that uh, Bennett Verhage Kachuk line uh, that rolled for a little while. Um, but it's, it's just really hard when you combine learning new things with having somebody different that, you know, as your line mate constantly or as your D partner, it, it just makes it that much tougher. Um, at this point, they need to string some wins together though, Matt, uh, it's, it's basically, that's, what's going to save their season is that they can get that consistency down, roll four or five wins together, you know, every couple of weeks and get big chunks out of the standings, uh, out of the deficit that they're facing in the standings. That's really the recipe for success. It's the only recipe for success at this point is that they're going to have to go on several runs, uh, the second half of the year, they're good enough to do it talent wise, uh, assuming they can put it all together, but we're just going to have to wait and see. And as you said, uh, it, it, so a lot of people are probably saying that ship has already sailed. So, you know, they still have a good, what is it, like 50 games around there to go in the season, so plenty of time, but uh, they've got to show you something that you haven't seen yet this season, and that is consistency. they got 48 games left to go, and unless they do it, and that's the other problem, they have played more games than many of the teams around them, certainly in the Atlantic and also – uh, in the wild card, it, it, it's got to happen now. Like tonight, I'm saying it is a must win. They have to win that game. And it comes on just a couple of backbreaking losses. There are times this year when I thought, all right, maybe they are actually going to turn the corner. And they respond with backbreakingly stupid losses. I, I say that uh, with that St. Louis game where they, again, had to play a man light. They have a big lead. They blow it, then promptly blow the next game. And then Wednesday, you're playing a team that has no confidence. You're winning going into the third period, and you lose in regulation. Like, those feel like backbreakers to me. And I, I, I personally, unless something drastic changes, I think Wednesday night was the backbreaker. That, that was the game that told me this, this, this is not going to end well. And I want to ask you about Paul Maurice, because we need to have a reasonable discussion about him. And it's very hard to do that with all of the, the rhetoric and some of the vitriol that I think is not fair. He's, he's just trying to do his job, and you don't have to think he's good at it. But 
where do you think he has fallen flat as a coach? I don't buy the injuries as an excuse. I know they've had no injury luck and illness luck, and that's fine. But that's not an excuse because other teams have had it, and they've overcome it. All the teams that are in playoff spots right now in the East have overcome that. Where do you think he's falling biggest down, for lack of a better term, as a head coach? Because I have my theories, but I want to hear yours. I, I really think it, it's kind of the jury's still out on that. I, I mean, to this point, you know, he's just been a very positive guy. He's always kind of got this glass half full outlook, um, no matter what it is, whether it's after, you know, a bad loss, whether it's after a random practice. Um, you know, he's very much that guy that's not going to throw anybody under the bus. Uh, that that seems pretty clear to this point. Um, I, I, I guess the one area that you'd like to see more consistency, but again, it's difficult when you're when you're missing guys. It's just special teams. Uh, the penalty kill obviously has been pretty solid throughout the year. Uh, you know, with guys like Forsling and Lusterine and uh, kind of leading the way. Uh, Eric Stahl's been fine uh, since they added him out there. But um, the power play. I think the best we saw of the power play this year was when it was being kind of quarterbacked by Brandon Montour when Aaron Ekblad was out for whatever reason, which is interesting just because Montour has been playing that same quarterback point role. Even when Ekblad was in there, he was playing flanker. Um, but yeah, I, it's just so early for me to to really start calling it a win or a loss or a fail or a pass with Paul Maurice just because there's so many variables to, to determine. And they knew that when they hired him. And that's part of why I think they hired Paul Maurice was because management knew coming into the season, there were going to be obstacles. Like it's inevitable that you have injuries during the season. You know, that's going to happen when you go in, you know, pressed right up against the cap to the point where you can only feel the 20 man roster on opening night. And we've seen the results that have happened since, you know, if the Panthers had this record, if they were struggling like this with everybody in the lineup, then, then you can absolutely point to the coaching staff. It's just, I don't know if it's fair from my perspective at this point. I think it is because there are some decisions that he's made. I, I've, we've talked about the stalls. I don't need to do that again. But they didn't have to do that. And they didn't have to run a lineup in which Eric Stahl becomes an every night player. And he's playing fine now, but for weeks, he was a net negative. They didn't have to do that. There are other lineup choices, players he could have played that he chose not to, that he doesn't like for whatever reason. I think they offer this team more upside. As I said, I think his lineup decisions have been questionable. I think deployment has also been weird. At times, I think he hasn't balanced the lines enough. He's loaded them up and then left the bottom six as something that just plays to a draw, which is not really something you can do in the modern NHL anymore. We heard that that was a problem in Winnipeg. And I just think that the lack of consistency is on him. Like, in many ways, I think a lot can be said. Like, I've said before that I think it's marginal decisions. It's small decisions but they add up over time. And the fact of the matter is like for oh, up until basically the start of this month, they didn't play a game that was decided by more than two goals or two plus an empty net. Like last year, the Panthers railroaded teams, blew them out of the building. This year, they were always playing close games. And if you're always playing close games, a small decision or two here or there, if they go wrong and that's a lineup decision, that's, you know, goalie has an off night. You're not going to be able to recover from that. And that's partly down to the way Paul Maurice has tried to coach this team because theoretically the goal was, be ready for the playoffs. You need to play more playoff-ready hockey, but you got to get there. And all these marginal decisions have added up to a team that's right now not close to it. That's just my theory. And, you know, certainly one that you're entitled to, the, the lineup decisions. I don't know if they're all a Paul Maurice thing or if that's a management thing because yeah, as it, it's not like the coaches had a lot of 
choices to make in terms well, Paul of Maurice can say I I would I don't need to play you know Eric Stahl as much as he does I they didn't have to sign him you know they didn't have to add the extra forwards that they added they could have called different players up you know didn't have to be Zach Dolpy when all these other guys get hurt or are sick that's what I'm talking about like I just don't see yeah, but those upside. are all those are all decisions that are made by management in terms of signings in terms of call-ups that's not that's not the coaching staff I, I think Paul Maurice has a big role to play in that. I do personally, but okay. And I there's a certain kind of player he likes, and he, well, he is does a like bit Eric of an Stahl. old school coach, and he that's, has said, that's what my theory. That's what my theory is. Well, he hasn't made it in many. You know, it's not like it's a secret. Like he's raved about Stahl from training camp on, just the type of person he is. How he's you know he's so hockey high Q is so high yada yada yada. And I'm not saying that he's wrong or right. I think Stahl is now that he seems to have shaken the rust off. He seems to be fine. But it, just in terms of what you're saying, that he has players that he likes, he doesn't make any secret about that. And that's the thing. I think the players that he likes and the players that have been playing and getting minutes that, as I said, Mark Stahl, too, I think the Panthers could upgrade on him instantly if he was out of the lineup. I've said that repeatedly, and I don't think I need to continue to say it. That's what I'm saying. I think these are decisions that just seem, when they add up, when they go wrong, they snowball. And that's that's part of it. Uh when you just look at overall, like, what do you think the team, like the, the front office's mindset is right now? Because obviously when Bill Zito came in, everything went really well, really quickly. And not many people expected them to, when they made all those changes during the COVID year, that they would instantly become the team that they became. And now they knew they were going to take a step back. I think everybody expected that. But where do you think the front office's mindset is right now? Because there's not really a lot they can do in terms of trades. The cap situation is what it is, and they don't have a ton of assets to trade at this point. They traded most of them. So what do you think their mindset is? How patient do you think they can afford to be? Because unlike teams who if they realize they're out of it, oh, the draft is pretty good this year. They don't have a first-round pick. So in many ways, they kind of have to go for the playoffs. And how much bad money do you throw at this if – Within the next couple of weeks, it looks like the season's lost. Well, I think there's a realistic viewpoint to be had. I think the front office has shown that they can kind of take things on the surface and work with them. Uh, in terms of, you know, what are they going to do about this season? I mean, I, I don't think draft picks, you know, in the, the upcoming draft is a big uh, determining factor only because this isn't a team that's looking to build towards the future. This is a team that's looking to win right now. Uh, in terms of the outlook beyond this year, I think that they're, they're, it's obviously a bit more bullish just because you're going to have a lot more cap flexibility, uh, excuse me, flexibility after the season, something that they knew heading into this year. Uh, what the mindset is at this moment, I think, is just try to keep it as steady as possible moving forward. Uh, they know that they're getting healthier. They know that they're getting Anthony Duclair back soon. Uh, and I think that the view is this is a roster that can win. Um Beyond this season, I think there's a lot more, as I said, more flexibility. And I, I think maybe this year, I don't want to say, I'm trying to word it correctly. I don't think that this year was looked at as a throwaway or anything like that. But I think just knowing the complications and the issues that were most likely going to arise this season that we're seeing to this point, I think patience was going to be something they were going to need this year. And just knowing when you go into the season, knowing that you, you're up against the cap and you're going to have to make room for one of your best players at some point in some way. Like it's been kind of a fly by the seat of your pants. And I know that as a front office, they've had multiple uh, out or not outlets. They've had multiple scenarios that they play out that they, you know, in case this happens, in case that happens, they want to have, you know, different plans in place ready to go. 
it's just been a really crazy season to have all those things happen. So in terms of the front office viewpoint, I I wouldn't think that there's any uh, panic or anything like that going on up there. I haven't gotten that sense whatsoever. I think they're just diligently working trying to keep the the ship as steady as possible as they maneuver the season. And uh, I I still think this is viewed as a team that they think can, can win the Stanley cup, if not this year, you know, soon like they're built for it they believe that they believe in what they put together uh this season it's just it's been a challenge you know as we we continue to talk about i think that as i said some of the front office decisions just when i look at the players they added the fact that they ran right up against the cap some of those moves just as i say like you need to sign both nick cousins and colin white it's that kind of thing and when you add them all up it gets you to a point where oh you're playing a man light and you've essentially thrown the game away you can't win a game when you're playing a man light you know, in the NHL when you didn't have to. That's basically been my opinion in the front office this year is a lot of small decisions have had it up to make, you know, a lot of issues worse. And what's really funny is if you had told me that they're going to go into Christmas at hockey 500, barely, I would have said, oh, the Matthew Kachuk trade backfired spectacularly. It hasn't. He's been their MVP. And that's what's also funny to me is because, you know, Carter Verhage nearly at 20 goals. He's playing very well. You know, we're seeing good performance. Sam Reinhardt started very slowly, but has really picked up his game. You know, you're seeing good performances from a good number of players. And Matthew Kachuk, I still think, if if his play continues at this level, could have a heart case if the Panthers get back to the playoff race, but maybe I'm getting ahead over my skis here. That's what's really funny is it's not the big players struggling. It's the other stuff that's gone wrong is where this team has started to really fall flat. But I, and I wonder what you think about that too, because as I'm saying, like Barkoff being hurt sucks and being sick sucks, but it's not like the other big players haven't pulled their weight because largely they have. Well, that's, yeah, you need a guy like Barkov to be producing, to play at the level that the Panthers were playing. And I mean, he'll be the first guy to say that he hasn't been on his game and it took him a while to really, he's still would you say at this point that he's back to 100%? Because I still think, you know, he's close, but it's taken him some time to really get well, back. Well, I to- think whatever the bad, the bad luck, if you want to say it, is getting debilitating pneumonia. Like, I, I have no idea how it happened. Obviously, last year they went through a COVID outbreak where pretty much everybody got it. But they, were over, they overcame that. You know, they had a couple games where they had that effect, but then the league shut down. Like, the league's not shutting down if the Panthers have a pneumonia outbreak, and it's clear that Barkov got really hit hard by it and also I mean he got cross-checked in the knee that doesn't help but before that he was he was getting into it but he wasn't great to start the season either I mean it took him until December to score a five-on-five goal and that that doesn't help but he's not been bad he just hasn't been exceptional you know like the last couple of years but I I think that even then like it's still not an excuse you know what I mean like I read Dom Lucision's piece on The Athletic and said that they've lost the third most wins in the league to injury, but Washington has half its team out. You know, the Bruins were missing McAvoy and Marchand for a period of time. The Lightning have their injuries. Everybody's got injuries. You have to overcome them. And the Panthers simply have it. That's what my point is. And while Barkov's, you know, performance or lack thereof is concerning, some of it bad luck, some of it is just struggling. Like, you've got to overcome that. You've got to find a way when he's healthy to set the team's universe so to speak around him and what he does best because when he's obviously at his best they have a a much better chance to win and we have to see whether they do that 
Well, I mean, on one side of the coin, yeah, like you you need your best players to play well. Sasha Barkov, Aaron Ekblad, neither of them have played like their usual elite selves this season. You know, you can't argue that. But, you know, uh, the flip side of that coin is to, to try to say that the team has to have the same kind of expectations and they need to continue to perform when their best players aren't playing like their best players. It, it doesn't seem like a real fair, you know, fair shake. Uh, you know, just and and you're pointing out these these examples of team. You know, Washington, a team that's been playing the same systems for years, a team that's leaders are still out there. Uh, in, you know, Boston, same thing. That's a team that we all expected them to take a big step back this year or a small step back this year. And even despite their injuries, they're just out there dominating. The Panthers aren't like these teams. The Panthers have still building their identity, right? And then when you take some of their best players out of the mix, away from the mix, whatever you want to call it, with Barkov, Ekblad. Um, and, and, you know, you throw into the fact that the goaltending just has been substandard on, you know, on the whole throughout the year, I I think it's pretty understandable where the struggles come from. They're all things that can be turned around. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a team that when you, it's pretty clear to point to what the problems have been, right? Yeah. And I think that what's most frustrating to me is I thought this team, if it was going to be bad, would end up looking like the late era Maurice Jets teams in terms of the style and the fact that they were getting caved in in possession, but they're not. They're still largely a top five possession team. And that's why I point out, you know, this is where marginal things happen. If you're still playing the right way fundamentally, and they've had mistakes, obviously, but when you're still a decent enough team possession wise, you should be able to overcome some of this. And that's what a lot of the talk early in the season year was, oh, they're, they're shooting poorly. They've got bad luck. They're still a, you know, possession team that is one of the elite possession teams in the league. And that has not been overcome. So to me, then it becomes important to start asking those other questions. And I want to talk about Aaron Eckblad because he has really struggled this year. The last couple of years, Aaron Eckblad has leveled up in ways that have been hugely beneficial the Panthers and I think last year before the injury in Anaheim he was playing at his absolute best why do you think he has really struggled this year yes he had another injury that doesn't help but we're you know we're month and a half after he's recovered from that why do you think it's been such a major struggle for him because I think a lot of what's going wrong here can be described by the fact that he's just whatever it is no Uyghur you can say whatever you want but he has really looked at times lost yeah, in terms of why he has not been his usual self this year, I, I don't have a like an exact answer for you. I can tell you what I think. Uh, I think, you know, heading into the year, the Panthers had this intense, physical, very trying training camp, something that they hadn't really experienced the last few years. So you combine that, he starts the year maybe not looking, you know, elite. Then a couple of games in, he gets hurt. He goes out for a couple of weeks. So then he's got to kind of build back up again. I think the whole process... Uh, has been abbreviated, has been, you know, kind of uh, uh, getting lost in my words, but it's been, he hasn't been able to get any kind of, you know, we talked about consistency and momentum earlier, right? He hasn't been able to do any of that. Now, I don't know if that is what is impacting him. This is just what I've seen, you know, what I've seen him around, seen him struggle. Uh, I don't know what else it could be. He wasn't injured at the end of last season. Uh, He didn't have any issues during the off season, showed up at training camp, good to go. I mean, he's still, what, 20, he's 26, right? He's going to be 27 in February, I think. So he's entering. Like, he should still be ascending. 
no, not at all about to say that Aaron Ekblad is taking a turn, you know, his career is taking a turn for the worse all of a sudden. Like this is a guy who, you know, he should absolutely be in the Norris trophy conversation every season. This guy continues on this path. He should be a hall of fame type defenseman. Like he's that good. And he has looked that good the last couple of years when he's been healthy. That's probably why it's been so strange. And I guess it almost is like an encapsulation of the entire team, right? Because we've seen the Panthers kind of grow and ascend into this great, amazing team, uh, you know, culminating last season. Ekblad, same thing. We've seen him grow and become this amazing player. And this season, it just seems like everybody's just kind of, I don't want to say taking a step back, but it's, you know, it's been a struggle just across the board. So uh, I don't know if there's more to it with Ekblad. I have I have not been told or I've not been kind of alluded to anything at all other than what we've seen on the ice. So hopefully it, we we ha- has been slowly getting better. His uh his advanced numbers have been getting better over the last couple of months and hopefully that's a trend that continues and we see him kind of round back into shape cuz you know as we were just saying if you don't have your Ekblads and your Barkovs playing like Ekblad and Barkov should be playing this team isn't going to get very far. I think he needs that left-hand shot partner. He just doesn't have it right now. Like my co-host has been saying for a while that getting Ekblad that consistent partner that would allow them to play in the past Uyghur with somebody else, but now Forsling with somebody else. I think that would really help him. He doesn't have that right now because Ekblad and Forsling for whatever reason is not gelling. It's just not working the way you would want it to. And Forsling and Montour, when it was together, I thought played pretty well. And right now with their cap situation and the situation they put themselves in, there isn't really a way for them to get that defenseman. And I just wonder whether the ceilings hit because they don't have that guy to pair with them. Now, here's a question that I know you're not, most people probably not going to like, but I have to ask it. They set themselves up with a really high standard and they also set themselves up in a very interesting way when they let Andrew Burnett go after last year. And now you look at Burnett's devils and where they are. Uh, you look at the Jets, Sons, Maurice, you look at where they are. If they miss the playoffs, which would be a catastrophe for this organization, let's make no bones about it. The fact is that they look like they turn the corner. And then every time it looks like they turn the corner, this time this franchise, they fall flat on their face and they go back to where they started. If they miss the playoffs this year, which is a very real possibility, what happens? Do they stay the course? Because last year, theoretically, they could have stayed the course and not made as many changes as they did. Some of the changes were understandable, and I think they got the better of the Kachuk trade, obviously, but they still made a ton of changes, and you don't see teams usually in that position make a ton of changes like that. The Lightning never did that, and look at what they did. They stayed the course after an embarrassing playoff exit. What do you think happens? Because we're almost at the halfway point of the season. It feels a little too early to ask it, but you got to start thinking, like, where does this end if they miss the playoffs this year, which would be frankly, unacceptable. I wouldn't think there's going to be a big difference between what happens if they miss the playoffs. I mean, obviously, you know, going on some kind of a crazy playoff run um, only because, you know, the changes are coming, like, you know, changes are coming based on the fact that they're going to have more money to spend. Like they're going to bring in new players. That's going to happen regardless of where they, where the season ends, what month it ends. And, you know, if they make it to the playoffs or not, they're going to be some, lineup changes that's inevitable um beyond that i don't think whether they make it or not is going to impact any changes behind the bench front office nothing like that i wouldn't think that any key players you'd see them moved unless it was something comes up like the huberto kachuk trade anything like that but um i i really think that they're 
pretty content with the core of this team and with the money they've spent to this point. Um, and that's kind of where they're going to go forward with, I, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's just what I see. Like, I, I don't think that even if they miss the playoffs, it will be sure a disaster. It will be, you know, dark cloud over sunrise, but in terms of big changes like that, I, I wouldn't expect anything in that terms. I, I think they're going to probably have a better lineup just by virtue of the money they're going to be able to spend next season. You'll probably see similar to what you saw last year in the depth that they had trickling down into the third and fourth line. Uh, that kind of expectation would be good. And, you know, it's fair. I don't think anything changes based on how they finish. I just think that when you let a coach go, that they didn't have to let go. They made the choice. But if you bring in Paul Maurice and whatever else happens, injuries, bad luck, what have you, if they miss the playoffs, the fan base already loathes him. Now, you shouldn't listen to the fans, but it's going to get louder if they miss the playoffs and if this looks like it's going the directions it's headed. Like, he's going to be on a hot seat. And the team's going to have to deal with that because I think back to 2016. I hate doing this all the time. It's a trope on why hockey, and I hate that it is. but it took them four years of chasing bad decisions to get out of the rut they put themselves in after 2016. You know what I mean? This is going to be a thing that you will hear about and people will call for if they miss the playoffs. And I don't know what else they would, you know, I don't think they would fire him, but based on the uh, precedent they set in letting Andrew Burnett go after what happened against the Lightning, I don't think it's that crazy to say that Paul Maurice might deserve to be fired. Now, I'm not saying that he will be. I'm not saying that there's going to be this amazing coach out there, but it's clear that the plan that they have tried to put in place with the new coach, getting them ready for a postseason, well, that only works if you get there. And this team should not be missing the playoffs. So I, I think it's going to get louder. I think it's going to get a lot louder. Not that it isn't already loud to begin with, whether you think that's fair or not. Well, I, after one season, a season like, and it's only been, you know, not even half a season, but I think the Panthers would kind of be snickered at as a team. If you go out you make a big change, you bring in a head coach, you have an, a, a year where at least to this point you've had, you know, what can go wrong has gone wrong. And then you fire the coach anyway, and you set yourself back and you start over again. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Like even with every, if they went out this season, as I said, and had zero issues, zero injuries, and were still bad, then you point to the coaching. Uh, they're, they're nowhere close to that at this point. And I, I just think that would be way too knee-jerky for me uh, based on what we've seen till, till now. I, I get that that's not what anybody's going to want to hear, that they want to see changes right away and they want to see heads roll and yada, 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 as, you know, throwing, we haven't talked about Seinfeld. Right, we haven't talked about Seinfeld enough. It's been way too long since we've had a Seinfeld reference, actually. Uh, you let me down, Matt. Um, but, but I'm letting just, myself down, David. <laughs> to, to wrap it up, I just think that it would be way too soon, based on this season, to, to think about making another change at head coach. I'm telling you, I, I think that the talk's going to get louder, and I would not blame anybody for it. Because I no, think and I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not saying that that talk shouldn't get louder from a fan's perspective and that there shouldn't be some real veritas, some real anger. If that, I don't know if that used that word correctly just now, but if you know that real, um, you know, gritting your teeth anger, like I get it. I, 
grew up that I've been a fan my whole life. You know, I've just kind of morphing onto this other side of it now where I can have that gap of where it's not going to kill me after all the losses and everything, but I get it. Like, and, and that's what fans are allowed to like you, you buy the merchandise, you go to the games, like you put your blood, sweat and tears and money into a team. You're allowed to complain. That's how it works. But you also have to understand when you don't have any say in the decision-making. I think, you know, my advice would be trust, trust the front office, trust Bill Zito. He's giving you no reason not to. I know that he gets crap for, you know, taking a swing at the fences at the trade deadline last year. Well, my, my point to just to bring that up, this is why I say you take the swings. Like that's why you go all in last year because the NHL is a weird league and years like this can absolutely happen. And a team that should be a playoff team right now is not, and may not be. That's why you take a swing. You don't assume anything unless you're a very, very rare team like Tampa, you cannot assume you're automatically guaranteed to be in the playoffs the next year. And that's why I wanted to point that out. Why I kept saying last year, enjoy the season. It's special. You may never see anything like it again. And again, quibble at the trades he made, but that's why you take swings to do that. You have to. And I think a season like this proves why you have to. I also want to ask you this as we start to wrap this up. Do you think this would have been different if this was Andrew Brunette, not Paul Maurice? Do you think that he'd be getting a little bit more rope? Do you think the team would be getting a little more rope if it was Brunette, not Paul Maurice? Because I'm starting to think about it. Probably not. But also, I think most people didn't like the Maurice hire, so they came in with that set of biases already in place. But I'm just wondering whether you think if it was Brunette and this team had the same record and similar kind of struggles, if the anger and the vitriol that we are starting to see would be less, not saying it would be a ton less, but maybe relatively less. No, I remember last season during some of the downtimes and people were all over Bruno ripping him apart. What's up? What's going on with the power play? Why, why is Barkov not on the same line as Huberto? It's, it's just a product of when a team's struggling, like they're going to blame anybody and anybody. And, and again, as I just said, there's, that's righteous. It's okay to do that. Um, but I, I don't think it would make any difference that if this record, this team with the same, it wouldn't matter who is behind the bench. They'd be getting crapped on no matter what. All right. And where do you think this ends? Cause I, if you're asking me now, December 23rd, 2022 at two 29 in the afternoon, I think they're missing the playoffs, but do you think that they turn this around? Uh, I, I hope they do. I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't, if they, assuming they get healthy, it doesn't make any sense to me why they wouldn't turn it around because there's too much talent. The only thing that I could see holding the team back at that point would be the goaltending because there hasn't been any consistency at all from that position. I mean, we saw a couple good weeks out of Spencer Knight before he, he fell got sick. Winnipeg. And, you know, it's that that would be my only thing. Uh, I am very curious, Matt, because this whole season will have been building to that point. If they do get into the playoffs, what will that look like? Because, well, you know, we've been here all year. We're building towards a playoff. We want the most important thing is that we're a good playoff team, better than a regular season team, yada, yada, yada. If they get to that point, that's what I want to see. Is like, okay, are we going to see a difference? Are they really going to be able to put up a fight, get out of the second round? Uh, these are all the questions. I mean, this team's not good enough in. to get out of the first round. They would get they would get smoked by Boston if they made the playoffs at this rate. That, this team today, yeah, sure, but that not the team that they have today isn't the team that would be making the playoffs. If they, you're asking me, do I think that they're going to get there if they get healthy? That's the team I want to see. 
that's the team that I'm, I don't know if we're going to see this year. I hope to see it. I think it would be fun. I think the fans would really enjoy that, but it's, you know, at this point it's like, well, is the, when's the next Marvel movie coming out? It's, we, we have no idea. Well, the next Marvel movie, they have it planned out for like seven years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, when's the next Olympics? Yes, like, it's, we don't know. <laughs> yes, it's fair. It's, it's fair enough. That would be a DC thing, I guess. I couldn't care less about Marvel or DC. <laughs> I couldn't care less at all. Anyway, David, everyone knows where you could find your work, but remind them again. Uh, for sure thing. The local10.com is where the written work goes or the local 10 app. You can download that. And they, it's good news, not just my stuff. It's a good news station, number one in South Florida. So, you know, it's good for that. And then on Twitter, at David Dwork for all my Panthers coverage. Are you on and- poster Mastodon yet? I, I'm on post. Uh, Mastodon was kind of confusing, uh, but a couple of my friends are kind of telling me to get on there too. Um, it, you know, it should Twitter collapse, I will make sure that I'm available wherever I can. Um, but ho- hopefully that doesn't happen. But it's, it's it's getting a little scary on Twitter. Pray, praying for a festival miracle. Not that oh uh, thank you again, David. You are wonderful. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks a lot for having me, Matt.